following is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on anything being discussed, consult your medical doctor. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and doctor of internal medicine, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Heart Health is a local call-in health show designed to educate and inform you of the most up-to-date information for not only maintaining a healthy heart, but a healthy body. Call us with your health questions at 919-890-9783. And if you could write that number down, 919-860-9783, or just call it right now and ask Dr. Weefall the question, that would be great. You'd have it in your phone. Uh, Good afternoon. That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the L.A. homeless crisis, which has a medical connection. It's all medical, in my opinion. There's a, a story in the news about sepsis, and we're going to follow up on what we started talking about either last week or the week before about UNC Children's Hospital and your phone calls. So dial this up at 919-860-9783. Doctor, welcome. Well, something is really bugging me, and this is the homeless issues, and it's not just Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. It is Seattle. So what happened? Uh, the Democratic wing, or excuse me, the liberal wing of the Democratic Party in Los Angeles decided they were going to be a place where they would accept homeless people living on the street. And they said, come to us. We are good people. Yeah. We aren't going to treat you like anybody else. We're going to let you just come here. And so what do you think happened? People came. They did. And what happened? Well, they're living on the streets. There's 58,000 homeless people in the city of Los Angeles. Now, what did they not do for them? They didn't provide hygiene. They didn't provide toilets. They didn't provide food. They didn't provide shelter. They just let them live on the streets. Yeah. And so what's happening? Well, I don't know. They're going to the bathroom. They're going to the bathroom on the street. Yeah. They're, you know, a lot of these people are drug drug addicts. They're leaving their used needles all over the streets. Mm-hmm. Now, let's not take the blame and put it on these individual people, okay? Right. What's happening? The city has decided to become, amongst the liberal cognoscente, these really nice people. Oh, yeah, we love the homeless. Well, if they really love the homeless, why would they leave them in such wretched conditions? Now, what's happening? Outbreaks of disease. And as we all know, they don't stay in one place. So we have hepatitis A rampant. We have typhus, which was a disease that didn't exist anymore in this country. We have an epidemic of typhus among the homeless, and it's going to spread. Now, here's the great thing. They found in rats, and wherever there's garbage, wherever there's medical waste lying around, yeah. who comes? The rats. Yeah. And they found some rats with bubonic plague. Now, it hasn't spread to the humans yet. It, I mean, bubonic plague? I mean, give me a break. Didn't it kill like a third? A or third of the human race. Now, a third of the human race. That's before antibiotics. So we sure. do have antibiotics. But, I mean, who in their right mind would let the homeless people in their city and fail to provide toilets, mm-hmm. yep. fail to provide health care. 58,000 people, I mean, that is, that is not, that's half the city, half the size of San Jose. So think about half the people in San Jose leaving their houses 
walking into Los Angeles and planting themselves on the sidewalk. Now, it's also happening in Seattle. Seattle's just a mess. And it's happening in San Francisco. And you know whose district it's happening in? No. Pelosi. Oh. And so what are we going to do? How far does our uh, love for the homeless go? Right. I have no idea. But what has to happen? If they're going to let the homeless in, they have got to. They're morally obligated to provide health care, to provide hygiene services, to provide shelter. But instead, they're dancing around in their cocktail parties, patting themselves on the back how our city, we let in homeless, we love the homeless. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the opposite. They're doing the homeless a disservice. And there's their mental health facilities? No. Is there... Um, counselors? Is there drug addiction centers there? No. And I think what goes along with this is you remember their sanctuary cities. You know what that means, right? Yeah, the, uh, same with immigrant populations. Right. They're so, allowing. Yeah, sure. So what happened when 100,000 people a month are coming in and we have nowhere to put them? You know what the mayor said? Hmm. We don't want them. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and he's, he's been um, uh, quoted as saying, we'll accept them with open arms. Until it was 100,000 people a month. Right. I've got Emily in the uh, waiting room. Let's get Emily Can on the phone. we get Emily through? Invite Emily through. Hi, Emily. Hi. This is Brittany and Emily. We're in Fort Mill, South Carolina. Well, welcome to the show. How what? are y'all? I'm good. Do you have any medical issues? We don't have any medical issues, You're but just we had Sarah. a question about like a medical thing. Well, that's so good. So we were just wondering if medically there is such thing as a broken heart. As what? <laughs> a broken heart. Well, you know what? That's really funny. Um, people can die of a broken heart. There is something called broken heart syndrome. Really? Have you heard of it? No. The other um, technical word is Takasubo's cardiomyopathy. I'm Googling now, that. Well, right what now. it is is Japanese word. It was discovered by the Japanese. And Takasubo, you know what that means? No. Octopus head. So what happens is when you have a emotionally distraught situation, like maybe your boyfriend just suddenly walked out on you or your husband dropped dead, you can have an outpouring of a stress hormone called epinephrine or adrenaline. And in some individuals, we don't know why it's in some and not others, it can suddenly, like in seconds, yeah. make the tip of your heart, so that what we call the apex, suddenly become non-functional. It just stops working. And when that happens, you go into what's called congestive heart failure. So the pressure inside the heart builds up because half the heart's not working, and the fluid builds up in your lungs. You can also drop dead of it. I mean, people... You know, it's, they think it's an old wives' tale that you drop dead from bad news. It's true. Yeah. And so the, oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. So Takasubo's cardiomyopathy, it's, it's, it, it's really known as broken heart syndrome. Emily, is it you or Brittany who uh, <laughs> has suffered from this most recently? We, we haven't suffered from it, but we've heard of people dying from a broken heart, and we were just curious if it was actually medically a thing. It is a thing. Now, broken hearts that don't cause death are also something important to deal with because I think that the depression associated with emotional stress from a bad uh, love situation 
can lead to permanent, you know, problems. I mean, sleeplessness, yeah. uh, depression, and social withdrawal. So if you have a friend who doesn't have Takotsubo's cardiomyopathy, but somebody who is suffering from, you know, a romantic catastrophe, and you know, that's what life's all about, right? Love yes. and happiness. Yes. I think it's a neglected thing in medicine. I mean, why don't they have hotlines for people with, you know, broken hearts that, that aren't on the mend? Because I've seen this. I've, I've seen people who lose their husband Yes. And they've been married for 70 years and they never recover. And they're resistant to medical therapy. They're resistant to talk therapy. So, yeah, let's talk about the broken heart syndrome. That's a medical issue. But also, you know, the emotional psychiatric things that are associated with um, the stress of losing your husband or losing your loved one. Did that answer the question, Emily? You're fading out. She's consulting with Brittany. So, Emily and Brittany, you no, sound. Definitely it. You, what, I'm sorry, yes or no? It did? Yes. Good. It did. Okay, it bless did. you. It did. It, Emily and Brittany, you sound young. Let me just tell you, as I would tell my own daughters, you're better off without them. Yeah, really. What, what if there isn't a him in the yes, situation? You know. I'm guessing at a, a few things here. <laughs> there may not be a him. Okay, there may not be a. You're, okay, I'm going to drop the H. You're better off without them. How does that sound? Yeah, them. Perfect. Thank right. you well, listen. so much for the advice. Well, thanks for calling. You guys have a great thanks day. Bye. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Emily and Brittany in Fort Mills, South Carolina. Well, you know, our tentacles are reaching we out. Do. We get we get pretty far out. All right. Last we, thing I want to say. Yes. They're going to try to recall the mayor. Yes. Uh, there's 300,000 signatures they need. What I hope this does is spur the mayor to not just give the homeless lip service, but to give them health services, mm-hmm. hygienic services, to get them into shelters. I mean, they're living on the streets right. in tents under cardboard boxes. So instead of patting yourselves on the back at your cocktail parties that you love the homeless, you're letting them live on the streets, do something about it so that they don't start dying. And when these diseases spread, they're going to spread to the general population. There's just no way around it. He is Dr. Franklin Weefall, a cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, which means he's willing to talk to you about any part of your body, a broken heart, a twisted ankle, any, any part of your body. He's with Millennia Cardiovascular, and we do this show every day or every Saturday at 4 o'clock on this station, News Radio 680 WPTF. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about the UNC Children's Hospital situation, sepsis, and are heart attacks increasing in number? Coming up on Heart Health on WPTF. Now, back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefald on News Radio 680 WPTF. And our telephone number, open to anybody with any kind of question, even if it's way out there. Way out there, like in South Carolina. In South Carolina, 919-860-9783. If you're in Virginia or South Carolina or Tennessee, go ahead, call us. Or closer to home, 919-860-9783. Now, we've learned more about the UNC Children's Hospital situation. You know, if you have something to hide... Yeah. 
here's here's my advice. Yeah. Don't hide it. No. No. Because um, like anything in life, if you stonewall and hope it'll go away, it never will. So here's the thing. Just to recap, there was a New York Times article that talked about secret recordings that cardiologists, they're the ones who, the pediatric cardiologists, they're the ones who see the little kids, the babies who have deformed hearts uh, from birth. And they went to their superiors and said, we don't think we would send our own children to this program because we have an idea that the complication rates for these cardiac surgeries are too high. Yes. So what did they not do? They didn't admit what the rate was. They sort of just stonewalled it. Yes. And according to the article in the paper, in the New York Times, they also said, well, you know, you cardiologists, you pediatric cardiologists can vote your conscience and send the patient somewhere else, but we're going to have to cut the program and cut jobs and maybe your salaries. Well, Freedom of Information Act. You've heard of that? Yeah, I have, yeah. So the New York Times sued to get the complication rate. Sure. And the normal complication rate for these kind of surgeries is 14%. That means 14% have a major bad outcome, including death, a prolonged course in the hospital, infections. So, drum roll, please. Yeah, go ahead. What was the number at UNC? I don't know. 58%. Okay. Now, there's two things on this issue. Why didn't they stop it earlier? I mean, there's no, I mean, if it were 16%, 17%, but 58% of the patients who underwent, and these are kids, these are babies for a lot of them, who underwent surgery had a major complication, whereas... The the national rate was 14%. Now, I don't know what Duke's rate is. I don't know what Eastern Carolina ECU's rate is. I don't know what Wake Forest is. I don't know what Johns Hopkins is. Right. But it, it behooves the powers that be who are overseeing an institution where little babies who are undergoing heart surgery for the most severe types of problems mm-hmm. be taken care of in the best manner possible. And when there's a situation that is alarming, Mm -hmm. you don't wait a year or two. You don't hide the complication rate. You don't don't not release it until there's a, a federal case. Right. And so this is devastating. It's devastating in my mind. And it also talks about, for me, the institution itself. So, again, not to be sued by the University of North Carolina, Yeah, I don't know all the facts. I'm not saying any one individual is responsible for this, but it raises the question, where is the institutional integrity that allows a situation like this to happen? Mm -hmm. So, the answer is full disclosure at all times. Because if you're going to hide something, remember, you're going to get caught. And when you get caught, it's far worse than if you say, okay, we're stopping our program. There's something we don't understand. There are more children who are having complications. 
Let's take a step back. Now, right. what would the public say? They would applaud you. Yeah. Applaud you for doing the right thing to save babies as opposed to trying to, quote unquote, save your program. We have a caller? Yeah. And it's not my, you know, it's not my field, mm-hmm. but I think I'd announce that number. If the national average is 14, I'd announce my number when it was. Well, you know what they could have done? 24. You know what they could have done? It's yeah. not even announce the numbers. Just say we're going to. Just gonna, say, hey, we got we to gotta pause here because there's not something not right. Jenna in Raleigh, thank you for waiting. Yes. Hey. Um, I just have a, an opinion question. Yeah. I had an echocardiogram not sure. long ago, and it was revealed that I had a uh, moderate, let's see, a moderate tricuspid valve issue. A mild, was it regurgitation? Uh, regurgitation, right. Yeah. A mild, um, what's that other one, mitral valve okay. regurgitation. Right. And an aortic valve, um, uh, 3.9 on the aortic valve, whatever that, whatever that does, it stretches or something. 3.9. Does that mean, the, did they talk about a velocity of flow? Or did, what did um, they say? Are you talking about the ejection fraction? Okay. Hmm. Thirty nine. Talking about that's why I'm yeah. Well, let me ask you a, a stupid question. Ha ha. How do you feel? Um, at times I'm short of breath. Okay, so that's the um, issue. Have no, you had a heart attack? No. Have you ever been sick? I mean, you know, in the hospital with a heart problem. No, I haven't. But heart problems are run pretty severely in my okay. family. Yeah. My How? dad had two heart attacks. His brother died of a massive heart wow. attack. Wow. My sister had a mitral valve replacement. Wow. My brother died at 47 of heart problems. Okay. So well, I, was, I've been told that this is not something a man should ask a woman, but can I ask how old you are? <laughs> I'll tell you that, but don't ask me how much I weigh. Well, that's okay. Um, that's, I understand. <laughs> I'm 70. Well, you don't sound it. You've got the right. voice of a 69-year-old. Oh. I'm kidding. I have been, that has been my goal. Let me talk just a little bit. Okay, so what's an echocardiogram? Okay, we can generate sound waves that you can't hear because they're way up in the frequency. So you know how dogs can hear whistles that we can't? Mm -hmm. These are a lot higher pitched. And what we can do is bounce those sound waves off of human tissue and then wait for the echo. That's why it's called an echocardiogram, to come back to our machine and then these whiz computers can create an image of the moving heart. If I had to give up all my technology except for one thing, I'd keep the echocardiogram. Because it's, did you get to see it when they were doing it? I did not see it. I heard oh, All right. It is cool because you look at your heart and it's sitting there beating. Now, the ejection fraction, I don't want to over overdo this. The normal ejection fraction is 55%. Now, what does that mean? It means the amount of blood that is in your heart when your heart's resting that is pumped out when it's contracting should be 55%, a little more than half the blood. If okay. yours is 39%, then it's a little low. Now, the tricuspid no, valve... it wasn't 39 The aortic um, dilation was 3.9. Oh, so your heart was a little big. Oh, the aortic root was 3.9. Okay, well, I don't never, know. I think it was the aortic dilation. Was yeah, okay, so your aortic root was a little high. 
That's a different yes. issue. The mitral valve doesn't sound like it's bad. That's the valve that controls the one-way flow of blood from the lungs into the left heart pumping chamber, which pumps it out to the body. The tricuspid valve is the one on the right side. So the blue blood that's lost its oxygen from the body goes into the right heart. The right heart pumps along with the same time as the left heart, and that goes into the um, lungs. So it sounds like your tricuspid valve leaking you know, on a scale of one to four, about a th- two to three. Um, and the aortic root, that's the tube that comes out of the heart. And, you know, 3.0 is normal, and 3.9 is a little big. You don't worry till it's about 5.5 centimeters. Now, what are they going to do after this? Have they talked to you about the next step? Well, that's my GP uh, said that we would watch it and that if I, my breathing gets worse, it just come in right away. Okay. But, Did you talk to him about a stress test? Um, I asked if I should align with the cardiologist yeah. to kind of yeah. get on board and see what they think. And yeah. she didn't think it was time to do that yet. Okay. That's, that's what I well, y- use your own judgment. Remember, you are the patient. Right. So my recommendation is, if you have concerns, um, and again, I don't know your story really, just some bits and pieces, but be your own advocate. If you're concerned about this, let let him know that you want to see a cardiologist. I'm sure well, that uh, he would take you. Well, then you know the what? News, yeah, call him news. up. Call him up and say that, and then see what well, he says. I really don't need her referral to get. I mean, no, I'm you don't. If you have Medicare, you can go see anybody you want. Call him right. up. Right. Well, the good news was that she said the left ventricle nor the right ventricle were enlarged. Neither one or they both were? They were not. Great. So well, I, that's, that's good, good news. news. That is great yeah. news. Great news. But if you're so short I don't of, know yeah. if this is just beginning now or if I've had it my whole life. I just really have no clue, but my yeah. breathing is different. If your breathing's different, mm-hmm. use your own judgment, ask your doctor, or just call up a cardiologist and make an appointment. I think no, sorry. Um, we need to go to the news. Okay. I'm going to ask Jenna to hold. And Great. I'd love to hear from her on the other side of our news broadcast. Now, back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefald on News Radio 680 WPTF. And the telephone number is 919 860 The visiting room, the waiting room is empty. So go ahead and call 919-860-9783 and you will be next in line, which won't be the case in any medical office in America. Well, that's true. I, I mean, you you just dial and or you show up and you're first here. Yeah, that could happen in my office. Could it? Well, <clears throat> I gave out my telephone number. I gave out my cell phone number. Yeah. And you know why? No. It's so much easier just to take the call. Instead of have this telephone tag yep. where I miss the message and everything else. And then I, you know, I drive my staff crazy because I say, oh, well, come on in. Right. Yeah. Here is Dr. Franklin Weefall, a cardiologist and internal medicine specialist with Millennia Cardiovascular. He is a cardiac doctor. I am a cardiac patient. Not my patient. Not that your would patient. Not, you know that's not ethical? It's not? No. No. You know why I didn't want to like join your 
practice. Well, no, I would, I mean? I, not that I don't love you. I really yeah, I do. It just wouldn't be ethical. What happens? No, what happens if I climb a big flight of stairs and that's it for Dave? You come in here the next week and you got to explain how come you let Dave die. Well, that would be bad for maybe you. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe it would improve the show. Yeah, I, could just, I could right. just blame yep. you. You're absolutely I mean, I could right. say he didn't take his medicine. <laughs> Um, I saw him eating that biscuit on the air, you know. All right. You promised to talk about sepsis, yeah. a topic I don't know anything about. All right, so about. what is sepsis? Sepsis yeah, is when bacteria that can cause like a pustule or um, a pneumonia, Yeah. okay, or say a urinary tract infection. It escapes into the bloodstream. Yes. And it can be fatal. And the type of sepsis that is very fatal is something called gram-negative sepsis. And that's uh, usually a gut bacteria. It has a um, coating, some yeah. proteins that yeah. are called exo, excuse me, ex- exotoxins, endotoxins, all sorts of toxins. And that destroys your immune system by allowing it to just go into overdrive. Yeah. Too much immune. Your blood pressure drops, your kidneys fail, and it can lead, in many circumstances, to death. So what happened? Some sepsis cases were missed. People came in, they thought it was the flu. Have you heard that? They told me I had the flu. That's right. And there were signs that were missed. And so what happened? There was an outrage. You know how an outrage is. How could this happen? My child died. And, you know... Nobody wants to see somebody die necessarily. So these doctors who aren't perfect missed it. Yeah. The answer was education. So they tried to educate. But then what came in next? The government regulation. So the, the, there is now a sepsis protocol in the emergency room. So if you come in with, and I'm not going to go into all the details, with these signs and maybe a couple of vital sign problems or a history mm-hmm. that, boom, you're in the sepsis protocol. And so you could come in with a carbuncle and tell them, yeah, it's a little short of breath yeah. or a little dizzy. And the next thing you know, you're in the sepsis protocol. Yeah. And it's all these blood tests. There are certain blood tests that may show you're in sepsis, et cetera. Well, of course... Nine times out of 10, 99 out of 100, you don't have sepsis. It's Mm -hmm. overkill. So there's a fine line between doing the right thing and going overboard. Now, you talk about, let me give you an example, the opioid crisis. Well, in the hospital, um, if you've had surgery, orthopedic surgery especially, they consider pain, the subjective enunciation of how much pain you have, as a vital sign. Yeah. And they are measured in terms of quality in the hospital by whether they respond to that vital sign. So you walk in, you say, are you having pain? They say yes. They are required to document what they did about the pain and what happened. Narcotics. Yeah. So, you know, when I was going to a hospital, I would get calls all night. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd say, okay, give them two milligrams of morphine. Half an hour later, up oh, their pain's still a two, and so what happens is that they are tied into 
the quality measures that were brought on by the powers that be that certify hospital. And so you ask yourself, why is this? Why do we have to follow these guidelines that in some cases make absolutely no sense? Now, we don't want to see children die unnecessarily Mm -hmm. of sepsis. Mm -hmm. We don't want patients to lie in bed writhing in pain. But are these government regulations and these guidelines that they foist upon emergency rooms and orthopedic wards really helping? And I don't know the answer to that. There has to be a study. Maybe, maybe have several hospitals not have this pain protocol and then take a survey of the patients and see how they did. Mm-hmm. Maybe not have some of these hospitals locked in to these sepsis protocols and see what happens. Does one hospital do better than the other? Mm-hmm. But there's just this blanket thing. I, I'll never forget when I started doing surgeries, it was, you know, trust the doctor. Okay. You walked in, yeah. you did your surgery, you were fine. Now there's something called a time out. You know what that is? No. Okay. So you remember all those screaming headlines about they cut off the wrong leg? Yes. They took yes. out the wrong half of the brain. Yes. Now how often does that happen? Not very often, and I hope. Not very often. But because it became in the media this huge thing, yeah. they cut off the wrong leg. Well, you know what you do in that situation? You fire the doctor. Yes. Okay? Yes. Oh, yeah. There's something called personal responsibility, and yet it became a systemic problem. So now there's a timeout. And I guess it's okay. But most of the time, what you're saying is, okay, we're operating on the right leg. Is the right leg marked? Yes, sir, the right leg is marked. Yes. Do we have the right scalpel to cut off the right leg, or do we need a scalpel for the left leg? Oh, no, sir. Ten minutes of this. And you know what? Most Uh of the time, people are just sleeping through it. It is checking off the box. You mean sleeping through it, the doctor is just saying, all right, come on. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Let's get on with it. And so I think that's probably even more dangerous. Um, in some cases. But um, I know, I, I've been in surgical situations. I had some work done on my foot. By which the way. Foot? They do the wrong foot? It was the, well, there's a story there. <laughs> there is a story there. Okay. But I'm diabetic and they had to do some work on my right foot. And five times people came in and said, what are you having done today? I said, well, they're doing some work on my right foot. I described the work and they say, okay, good. Surgeon comes in, signs that foot. Yeah. You right? have to sign your foot. Sign my foot. Okay, that's fine. Now, here's the part that surprises me. Don't you think the doctor should be smart enough to operate on the foot with the problem? You never know. I mean, I had an infection on the right foot. The left foot was fine. In your opinion. Yeah, I think in everybody's <laughs> opinion. I mean, the left foot looked, the right foot looked really bad. Yeah. So they had to do work on the right yeah, foot. But you see, this is the problem: is that there has to be personal responsibility, and if you if you tell everybody, oh, yeah. it's not your fault. Yeah. It's the system's fault. Mm-hmm. So we're going to change the system so it can't happen again. And you know, I, I I've been practicing for thirty. Five years. Yeah. Have I ever seen somebody's foot cut off, wrong foot cut off? No. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen half of a brain cut off? No. Yeah. Have I ever seen a surgeon 
or a team of nurses and technicians operate on the wrong side of the patient? No. No. But instead, everybody has to be assumed to be stupid enough to do that. <laughs> so we have to go through this time out. Okay. And we all fall asleep. All right. I got a doctor's story for you. Okay. You know that every surgeon has a number two surgeon following. It's either a student or somebody in it, right? He's training. Right. All right. So we go, I have a daughter named Casey. Casey's a small child, probably under two. I diagnosed, I noticed the hernia. Dr. Alexander. Dr. Alexander is the only one who laid hands on the hernia, actually pointed back into place. Was it the belly button? It was, no, it was below the belly button. Oh, and it was, no, no, no. This below was the a belt. Hernia, anyway. It's, and it's just, so many kids have this. Yeah, I did. We, we went into the, see the surgeon, and the surgeon says, okay, we'll see you Monday. He didn't even examine Casey. That's fine. Monday morning, doctors in the middle of nine different surgeries comes out and says, Mr. Alexander, Mrs. Alexander, we're going to do fine. I want you to be aware and be comfortable that when we operate on Casey, we're going to avoid the testes altogether. <laughs> and my wife picked up on it. I picked up on it, but I was a let it go. She says, Dr., She's a girl. She doesn't have these. And what did I say? We're going to avoid them. <laughs> right? right. He was right. Them. She doesn't have any. He was actually talking, am I correct, about the testicles. Yeah. He says, we're not going to go anywhere near them. Well, she doesn't have any. Yeah. Doctor number two had to work not to smirk. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Because his career could go down the drain if he laughed. Oh, yeah. Point. Doctor, she's a girl. She doesn't have any. Well, you know, maybe that's discrimination. <laughs> you know? Are you sure Casey wasn't identifying <laughs> no, at no. that moment? No, no, no. I wanted, I wanted him to open the diaper in the operating room <laughs> and say, oh, my gosh. There we go. All right. Oh. We're going to talk more about surgery and other things in a moment. Absolutely. Um, our heart attacks increasing in number. Other medical stories I've yeah. got that maybe you can well, comment ha- haven't on. you heard certain individuals say that our healthcare system stinks. Yes. Because we have this wrong, we have this wrong. What kills me is when they say, and we don't really save any more lives than we did before. Can we do this in just a moment? No. No? Of course. All right. Next segment. Also, our shout outs to uh, individuals who've done a good thing for us. Absolutely. That's coming up in your phone calls, 919- 8609783 919-860-9783 You're listening to Heart Health and we're glad you are. Dave Alexander behind one microphone, over on the other side of the room, Dr. Franklin Weefald. As far away from you as possible. (laughs) I'm drinking coffee. It's a breath thing. (laughs) He's a cardiologist and internal medicine specialist with Millennia Cardiovascular. And now it's time for the shout-out segment. Who do you want to shout-out to? Well, you know, I, I went to a place to eat, and the woman was speaking very softly. Yes. 
And I couldn't understand what she was saying. So yeah. she started putting my refried beans into my taco. <laughs> so I tried to tell her, you know, I'm very hard of hearing. I can't hear high frequencies. It's in my family. Yeah. So I have hearing aids that work pretty well. They're brand new, newfangled. One problem. Yeah. My dog chewed them up. <laughs> so I'm waiting Oops. on replacements. Yeah. But the shout out is to my sister, yeah. Susan Weefault. She is a do-gooder, a left-winger, lover to death, don't agree with everything she says. Yeah. But she couldn't hear her kids. You know, yeah. she had these little kids. And so she got what's called a cochlear implant. Have you heard of it? Yes. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's an artificial ear. Sure. And so they destroy your good ear and they put thousands of little, maybe hundreds, I'm exaggerating, of little tiny wires into your cochlea, which contain the nerve cells which detect hearing. Yes. And then they put a, what's called a speech processor in your brain or out in your skull. And you know, after six weeks, she hears perfectly. It's the most amazing thing. And you know, she was on NBC TV about it because it was this you know great thing coming on and guess who was the other patient of her particular doctor that they feature who rush limbaugh so here's my sister the bloomingdale's charge card carrying communist yeah and with rush and rush it was awesome were they together well there's rush you know and these cochlear implants are just fantastic they're a republican invention and there's my sister going (laughs) Yes, I can really finally hear my kids now. (laughs) And I'm going to do my shout out. And we also are going to talk about the heart attack um, increasing in number or not. Uh, But in the waiting room is Valden from Clayton. Did I mispronounce your name? Valden, V-A-L-T-O-N. It's a wonderful name. How can I help you? What I call about is what we follow. My my wife's got one prescription. It's C-A-R-P-E-D-I-L-O-L. What does she think about it? Okay, I didn't. You know, my my hearing's bad. Spell it again. Spell it again. C A R V E D I L O L. Six milligrams. Looks like Carvedio. Carvedilol. Carvedilol. Yeah. yeah. Is she a heart patient or a blood pressure patient or both? Both. Yeah. So Carvedilol is a very good medicine. Um, the brand name was Coreg. Okay. And. It is a combo. It's a beta blocker and an alpha blocker. Now, what does that mean? It means that it blocks adrenaline, but it also blocks norepinephrine. Those are two stress hormones. Really good for blood pressure, especially African-Americans. We don't really know why it works so well. Beta blockers alone sometimes don't work well. But the really, really great thing is that it prevents death when you have a weak heart. So carvedilol is often the medicine we go to as a first line when you've got a weak heart and something called congestive heart failure where the fluid builds up in the lung because your heart's not pumping well. So it is a great medicine. You have to take it twice a day. There is a long-term form called Coreg CR, but it's not used much because it was sort of like, you know, take it once a day or twice a day. Twice a day is $5, and once a day is $400. But it's a great medicine. And this is her first prescription, and she's 85 years old. Yeah. Now, they start off on a very low dose, 3.125. Yeah. Make sure it doesn't hurt. Then you go up to 6.25. Make sure it's tolerated. And then go to 12.5. 
or 25. Now, often it's a very effective medicine and you don't need to go much beyond 6.25. But even though she's 85, as long as you've got a good doctor or a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant watching her blood pressure carefully. And do you have a blood pressure cuff at home? Yeah, I got three of them. Great. Well, put one on one arm, one on the other arm. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I would, when she starts on a medicine like that, take her blood pressure twice a day. Once when you get up, once about 4 p.m. She's and doing wonderful with it. What's that? She's doing wonderful with it. Great. Well, it sounds like you've got great health care providers. Another thing. Yeah. I'll be 85 September. I have never had a prescription drug. These two are. Aspirin. Your wife is how old? Huh? How old is your wife? You told us a moment 85. ago. 85. Wow. This is her first prescription. Yes. Are you kidding me? Valdon has no prescriptions and it never has. All right. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Where do you go to church? <laughs> Johnson Jr., not here on 70. I'm going to join <laughs> because God hears your prayers for sure. I never had to I hardly ever take an aspirin. I drank uh, about 40 ounces of water a day. Good. I take a vitamin C. I take a ginkgo, 60 milligrams. That's supposed to be good for your memory. Ginkgo biloba. I have and, uh, Oh, yes. She went to the hospital, though. I got to tell you this. I heard y'all talking about doctors. She went to the yes. hospital and uh, stayed there Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. During that three days, the doctor never went in her room. Really? So I photographed him and got it all straight so I could take it up to the administrator. So then, she never then, saw a doctor. Wow. This cardiologist, I don't know wow. why they put him on the list. I just make money. I rate and he walks in at the foot of the bed all yes. three days and says, Hey, Miss J, how you doing today? Yep. She said, I'm doing fine. He said, Good. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> I got it. that thing around his neck. Listen. Don't listen to nothing. Walks yep. out the door. I got him on the phone. You need a new doctor. And then uh, the next day and the next day was the same thing. Yeah. And one more thing, when I got ready to come home on Wednesday, the little doctor finally come in with his two thumb finger and another finger about two inches long. He said, I got about something about this big I need to do. It was about 1130. I said, you see that lady there? I said, yeah. I said, she's having a lunch, and when she gets through, we're going home. So if you got to do that little bitty thing, you better get over and do it. Yeah. He said, well, I can't sign you out. I said, you didn't sign me in. I said, you know, law say I can't get him to go home. Yeah. He got him to live. I ain't seen him since. Well, then I've got to move on because Vince from Durham is on the other line. But hey, thank you. Hey, hey. Let me say this right quick. I've been listening to WPTF since it was behind Sir Walter Hotel, downtown Raleigh. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Hang you. in there. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Appreciate it. Vince in Durham, we don't have a lot of time, but go ahead and tell us what's going on. Uh, just real quick, I, I had a heart attack about four years ago. Uh, woke up the other day. I had two stents put in. Uh, woke up the other day with uh, what I thought was another heart attack. Test all came back negative. Uh, and then it they shot me with uh, the three shots of nitro in the mouth. Yeah. And the pain went away. Oh, got wow. To the yeah. emergency room. No pain. That was it. And I'm just wondering, and nobody's been able to tell me what happened. Did you have a stress I did, test? I did, and I passed it with flying colors. Okay. Now, I'm not going to diagnose you, but one of the thing, yeah, one of the things you want to ask your doctor is this acid reflux, because the nerves for the esophagus, the heart, they can be confusing each other. So one of the things that I do in a situation like yours is look to see if it's acid reflux. Now the reason why the nitro works in that situation, it relaxes the esophagus. Hmm. So 
nitrate-responsive chest discomfort can be one of two things. It can be a coronary blockage, pre-heart attack, or it can be that there's acid in the esophagus causing it to spasm. So check with your doctor and see what he or she says. Vince, thank you very much. I appreciate you calling us. This is Heart Health, News Radio 680 WPTF. Everybody's got an assignment. Go to your smartphone, set the alarm for Saturdays at 4. Let the alarm ring. We got one more thing to say. Yeah. We are on the podcast now on Apple. Yes. Yes. So you get on the podcast. If you search for Heart Health, we're numero uno on the list. Very good. And we're also on WPTF's website. Go to upper right-hand corner where it says podcast and click on that. Absolutely. All right. My shout-out is to the North Carolina Teachers and Employee Health Insurance Program. You put me on to a medicine that I think I should be on. No, I didn't put you on it. I well, told no, you, you about it. You told me about it. That's what I mean. I'm not your doctor. I went to the doctor, went to my doctor, and that doctor said, yeah, that'd be good for you, but it's expensive. So he gave me the sample box, and he said, go to the pharmacy as soon as you can because it's expensive, and your insurance might not cover it. No question. They covered it. Awesome. I paid under $35 for the prescription. Mm-hmm. The medicine cost 400 and some odd. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. And we're going to talk about it with some detail next week. The cost of medicines is a crisis in the healthcare system. No doubt about it. We, we'll we spend need some to, time with it. I mean, I, I rely on my insurance and some di- sometimes I get a new medicine and they say, no, that one's going to be 45 bucks mm-hmm. every single month. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. Especially in my patients, are, they make $700 a month in yeah, Social yeah, Security. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It can be, can be tough. Listen, we'll talk about those topics and more on this radio show, which is called Heart Health. We do this every single Saturday at 4 on News Radio 680 WPTF. The proceeding was meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on what was just discussed, consult your medical doctor.